This is Bedside, a podcast series on a mission to debunk sex. I'm your host, Tatiana, and each week we'll uncover stories, ideas, routines, and expert information to help guide you on your ever-evolving journey of good sex. We believe that through democratizing sexual wellness, we can shift cultural taboos and make way for authentic and limitless access to pleasure, joy, and connection to the body. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bedside Podcast. I hope we're doing well. I hope we're staying well. I just got back from a crazy awesome break and trip away in Mexico, and I'm just feeling so freaking refreshed. So just a little tip that if you are needing a break that I'm giving you permission right now to go schedule a little staycation, vacation, whatever that might look like, even just a day off to recharge and reset. I'm feeling so good about it. And I can't wait to honestly debrief it. I have a great concept for an episode coming up because I feel like it relates to a lot of my own manifestation process. So we've got a lot to unpack. Stay tuned. But today I'm really excited to introduce today's guest, Anna Lee, the founder behind Lioness. She actually started out her career as a mechanical engineer at Amazon and went into the sex tech industry to start her own company. She's joining Bedside today to talk all things orgasm data. Anna and her team designed a smart vibrator which collects biometric data from its users via their app. And guys, the data her team has discovered is simply wild. Did you know that there are multiple styles of big O's? In our conversation today, we dive deep into orgasm data, the different types of orgasms that Anna's team has discovered. We also unpack statistics around how long orgasms last, what's quote unquote normal, what it means to be multi-orgasmic, and what that actually looks like in the orgasm data and patterning that's captured from the lioness, and how outside factors like stress, mental health, and exercise influence how orgasmic we are and how much pleasure we receive what that really looks like and how that tracks. And of course, we get into some hysterical vibrator tropes like my dog ate my vibrator. You'll hear more in the episode today. Her team is offering listeners an exclusive discount to try Lioness. So stay tuned at the end of the episode for a very special treat. All right, guys, I'm so excited to get into this. Without further ado, please welcome Anna to the Bedside Podcast. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the Bedside Podcast. I'm beyond excited to have you here today. I'm excited too. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be an amazing conversation because we were just talking off air really about like Anna's product and the technology behind it. And I am so excited to just like bring this knowledge to listeners to a whole new level of orgasms that we've never spoken about. But I think before we get into your product and the tech and us analyzing all these fun data points, I would love to get a little bit of, you know, for listeners sake, for everybody listening who's not aware, like how did you start? How did you get here? What is your story? We were talking about this when we when we met at lunch for lunch the other week. We were like, how did you get into this industry? Because it's always such an interesting story. Nobody like wakes up and they're like, I'm going to work in the sex tech industry. So tell me how you got here. Yeah, it's a good question, honestly, because I 
like people are like, oh, like, did you always knew, know like you were going to be really sexually open or anything like that? Like, but I grew up uh, in Korea till I was seven and I grew up in like a really conservative religious family where we never talked about sex. And I have to tell people all the time, like I was scared of my own body to my mid 20s. Like when we first started this company, I was like, don't make me say the words clitoris. Like, don't make me do interviews. I'm terrified. Like, I just want to be an engineer. Like, don't let me do it. And so it's been like my own journey to like feel really comfortable with my own body and just like learning all these things. And obviously now I'm like, oh, you want to see my orgasm data? Like, this is what I learned. Or like, this is a position I tried and it's different now. But um, so I started out as a mechanical engineer at Amazon. Um, and I really was this idea of like pursuing the American dream for my parents who had like immigrated from Korea. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to work in corporate America for the rest of my life until I retire and all of that. And one of the things I realized is like products most of the times are not designed with women in mind. And it's because we just didn't have enough women in STEM, I think, especially like engineers at the time. So we already knew like when we talk about products being unisex or like, oh, like this watch would fit anybody. And we're like, oh, this wrist, you know, the face of the watch is way too big for my wrist. Like, who was this really designed for? And so I ended up at the time when I was working at Amazon, like meeting a founder of a different sex toy company. Um, It was this guy. The company doesn't exist anymore. So I feel okay roasting it a little bit. Yes, go for it. But I was like, how do you know what you're building works for people with vulvas? Like, it's, you know, like, uh, how do you do testing? And he was like, there's an industry standard where you put the vibration on your nose. And that's what a clitoris feels like. And I remember just being like, what? Like, what does that even mean? And he was like, oh, like, you know, like, because there's a lot of nerve endings on your nose, like, just like the clitoris. And he was like, and sure enough, the more sex tech conferences I went to, like sex toy expos, they do it all the time, like, because they want to show like, that's what the vibration feels like. And I just remember being like, wow, like the products that are supposed to be so intimate for our own bodies, and like private for a lot of people, like it's built in a way that it didn't really even have women in mind. And so we realized like we wanted to build a product that was gonna one be a better vibrator, and then realizing how little research there was on women's bodies and like sexual function, and all of that, we were like, okay, we need to actually like bring the research forward. So we can build better products, or there can be more understanding and research. So we kind of perfectly married, I think, like sex toys and the science and the data of it all. Yeah. And that's what I think is so specifically amazing about what you guys do is you're so passionate about the data. It's so funny when you were like, I couldn't even say clitoris. And like now, like looking at your TikTok, you're like, let's get into it. You should be very proud of your trajectory in terms of your comfortability because it's just it's so cool. And I feel like you're literally helping people get more comfortable about the topic, which is so exciting. Yeah, I hope I like hope so, because I, you know, I figure like it's the same way that I would want someone being able to explain things to me. Like, I don't feel like a like a older sister who's knowledgeable like I'm hoping to be that hot aunt you know how everyone has like a really hot aunt that's yes. like let me tell you exactly like I've been through it like I've gone to all the clubs like I know like that's who I want to be eventually but like I know it like let me teach you everything so I'm hoping to like my me being like vulnerable and like opening up and like you know I'm I don't want to come in as like an expert but just someone who's like explored and like this is the stuff I've learned so far and like being able to give it back to other people who are on the same journey yes I love that and also great distinction between big sister energy and like cool hot (laughs) on energy No, I want to be hot on energy. Yeah. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah, like screw the big sister vibe. Like we're we're done with that. We need the hot on. Yeah. Also, you know, it's wild because 
Can you like share a little bit more about just kind of the stats of what the sex tech industry looks like? Because I mean, we like I said, we were we 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 got launched. And we, you had shared with me the whole concept of like testing the vibrators on the nose, which is so crazy because I'm just like, why would someone's nose have the same amount of nerve endings as a clitoris? Like, I don't even know why we got there. But can you just share details about what? kind of this like very because it still is very male centric like what is the sex tech industry like currently like where where are we at right now obviously it's gotten better but yes. I mean so it's definitely gotten better I I always love to put it into context of like uh so we started our company we're in year seven now as of 2023 I think the biggest thing is when we started the company the term sex tech wasn't coined as an industry term yet so no one knew what to even call like the space that we were trying to build in or anything like that and then um really amazing people like Cindy Gallup really pushed it to be like, hey, this is a really big industry that we need to put our eyes on and put funding. So the funding at the time, especially was super, super, super limited. People didn't want to be associated to like anything sex content. Um, and so it was fairly male dominated industry. And it was actually originally like sex toys were geared towards men buying it for their significant others. So their, their objective was like a guy would come into a store being like, I'm trying to spice up my relationship. It's getting a little boring in bed. Like I'm trying, I'm going to buy this vibrator that's like pink and purple with glitter on it. Um, that says it has a hundred different settings and like it spins and all this stuff. And it was just this thing to highlight for men to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy this. Like, and so, and it's kind of why I, I think there's one, like why a lot of products are pink and purple, but sex tech now I think has gotten so incredibly it's changing quite a bit. There's so many different companies coming in that cater to all different body types, all different preferences, all different um, experiences and pleasure that people want to have. And so it's changing now. And I think it's becoming a lot more under the eyes of like, like investors and seeing that there's a really big market here. So I, I think it's changed quite a bit. I'm I'm much more on like the positive side. I think it's going to have really great changes in the next few years. Obviously, there's constant hurdles, constant censorship in this space. But um, I think with that, like we're going to see a lot more things. But I think at the same time, we need to see more research coming through into the space. There's very, very little. Re- so I, I, I would tell people like for every seven papers, there are about male sexual function, like ED, there's one paper on female sexual function. And most often that paper is about fertility, which is great. Like fertility is super important aspect of a lot of people's experiences. But you know, we don't know anything about sexual function. We don't know how people experience pleasure, orgasms, and any of that. So I think there's got to be a lot of things moving pieces, but I have very hopeful sex sex in a good space right now, for sure. I think so too. And like, I think you guys are so on par with like really kind of like helping to lead where this industry is headed. I even love how your toy is so neutrally colored, kind of going back to that concept of like, it's not purple, it's not pink, it's not sparkly and like rotating in eight different directions. It's really like you created this for the user. It wasn't for any sort of gaze. I think that's like the beauty of like our team is uh, mostly all women. And so we all came in with like okay, if we're going to just be designing this smart vibrator, we might as well make it a really good vibrator on top of it. And so we were like going through lists of like things that have happened to us. Like my co-founder was like, my vibrator one time went off at, you know, at TSA and then they made me open it because they thought it was an electric toothbrush. And then I was my mom, like, and so it was one of those things, like, okay, we're going to put a travel lock. So you're going to be able to lock it on your app. And then, so it's not going to go off in your bag when you're traveling. So I think it, it was really fun for us to be like, what are the things that we just hate about vibrators? And then let's make it better. 
Oh, so good. Okay, so tell listeners really quickly about the lioness, how it works. And I think from there, we can kind of like begin to talk about the tracking function of of your product, the science. Yes, (laughs) the science. Uh, So yeah, so we have a smart, lioness is a smart biofeedback vibrator. It's a rabbit style. So it's an insertable portion. You can insert it vaginally or anally. And then there's a little clitoral nub um, that vibrates. So what we're doing is we're measuring pelvic floor contractions. It's one of the best indicators for arousal and orgasms. It's what's been used in research papers previously to measure what an orgasm actually looks like. And so we know that it's like a rhythmic pelvic floor contraction that involuntarily happens. So you would use it like a normal vibrator, and then you're able to pair it to your phone and see that data. And you can see what's working for you, what's making the orgasms better, worse, or if you're having difficulty having an orgasm, seeing where you're getting close, or maybe like what might be changing those factors. So the whole idea is to help people learn more about their own bodies and um, understand like what the what it means in a data format. And it's the same way we say like, we track every other aspect of our body, like sleep trackers, health trackers, fitness trackers, but we don't take the time to actually think about our sexual function, what's changing, how stress affecting it and all of that. So we're just trying to give people that tool to understand their body in that way. That's so amazing that you guys have correlated it to the same tech that people use for like, I don't know, something as similar as your Apple Watch. Yeah. Because you don't think about how it really is altered by the different like influences in your life. So I mean, you I've seen you track like all this amazing data being like, okay, this is my orgasm when I've like had coffee or had alcohol or I'm really stressed. So what would you say are kind of like those high level findings that you've noticed between like outside elements coming in? Yeah, I think the interesting thing is like, sometimes you'll be tracking, like you won't even know why the data looks I'm I'm definitely like I've had weeks and months where I'm like, oh, my data looks really weird. And I can't even pinpoint what it might be. And then you're starting to like think about your, you know, your sleep, like all these things. But I know like we did a really small like marketing study with Ease, who was um, who's a cannabis delivery company. And we actually sent out Linuses and cannabis to people in California. And they got to try like CBDs, vapes, like um, gummies, like all these different things. And so we know we've seen pretty positively, like most people, cannabis really does help have a positive effect on sexual arousal and uh, orgasms. Um, for me personally, like caffeine really helps it. It's like a very like jittery or like it's a very intense orgasm, but it's very short, but like very quippy is how I like to explain it. I know that stress really kills it for me. Like it makes it really, really small and really short and like just doesn't really even feel like almost an orgasm. Like when I'm really stressed, maybe be like, oh, I don't think I really had an orgasm, but it might have just been an extremely small one. We've had an athlete who is a longtime Linus user. And one time she came back and she was like, hey, I think something's wrong with my vibrator. And she's like, can you check it? And so we're like checking the firmware, the hardware, the software. And then we're like, we can't find anything wrong. But does something happen on this date? Because that's when your data started looking kind of flatlined. And she was like, oh, yeah. She's like, I had a sports injury. She's like, I had a session. And then we were all like, you just see everyone in the room just kind of sit there for a second. We're like, I think maybe the concussion might have done something. She freaked out and she went back to her doctor and was like, hey, maybe I'm going to take a pause from my sport and like go through physical therapy. So as she did physical therapy for the next few months, like you see her data come back like to what her orgasms originally looked like. And so that was a really cool case study that um, was at a medical conference of like, hey, I think even traumatic brain injuries could have an effect on orgasms. And imagine if you like had hit your head and then now you're not having good sex. Like it's not the first, it's not the first thing that would correlate. You're like, oh, maybe it's my 
my headache or whatever it has a correlation. But so that's the things of like, we want people to find these moments of like, oh, there might be something here. And it's just that research has never done studies around this. And we don't know enough about sexual function because so often we're chalked up to being like, women are so complicated, you know, like orgasms for women, so complicated, like who knows, like there's so many reasons why you might not be experiencing it, but it's more just because we don't have enough information about our own bodies. That is just like such a helpful tool. And I mean, that must have really changed that athlete's life because they're like, okay, I now know like I need to take a break and like I'm going to go to PT and really, really relax and do my thing. And it just helps you take better care of yourself. That's crazy, that story. Totally. Yeah. I think that was such a like a such a moment for us to be like, we love to say that orgasms are really the canary in the coal mine for health, overall health. For example, when men go into or like people with penises go in with uh, erectile dysfunction to a hospital or a doctor, the first thing they check for is cardiovascular disease because they know they're like when you have ED and it might mean you have cardiovascular disease, you have blood pressure issues. But when women go in, which I think 60 something percent of women experience uh, female sexual dysfunction sometime in their life, no one knows like what that means or what that means for your health. Like we don't know what it could connect to. And so um, we just think there's something really interesting in terms of connecting your sexual pleasure health to your overall health. Wow. Yes. Beyond. I'm I'm so happy you're doing this. I, I Like this is really cutting edge stuff. You know, I think I kind of want to talk a little bit about the findings that you guys have discovered through the different types of orgasms, or I think it's like you've mapped out three different types of orgasms that most people have. I'm assuming there could be the possibility of more, but there's like traditionally three that you found, right? Yeah. So this was um, part of an abstract that was published by Dr. Jim Faust as the lead researcher um, in the journal Sexual Medicine. Uh, And we did it, I think it was like three, four months ago now, which is super exciting. But one of the interesting things is so an orgasm, what we're looking at when you're looking at like the pelvic floor contractions uh, in research previously, you see this kind of rhythmic squeeze relax that happens um, that like lasts, you know, anywhere from like 10 to like 30 seconds or you know everyone varies but you're looking for this like one to three hertz of like squeeze relax squeeze relax squeeze relax and so one of the interesting things now that we currently have so many data sets uh this researcher jim faust was able to kind of look at what different patterns there were and so we found three unique patterns we at Linus call them the ocean wave, avalanche, and the volcano. So the ocean wave is the most common one. Most people have it. It's it's also mine. So it's a really rhythmic squeeze and relax that you see, and it doesn't change really in force. Um, so you squeeze at the same level, relax the same level. And then avalanche is similar to the ocean wave where you're squeezing, relaxing, but you start at a much higher force and then it goes down in time. So it kind of slopes downwards. And then the volcano is kind of your classic movie-esque how people describe it in movies it's a huge explosion of force and then a huge drop down in force there's not much of a rhythmic contraction that's happening and so the fun thing about it is i think it helps people one kind of think about what their organs might feel like and the cool things we haven't seen anyone jump from one type to another type but with this said like there's maybe there's probably more types out there and there are people that can probably have more I'm just saying in our research we just haven't seen it yet um but anecdotally people have been like Anna I swear I've had all three of them depends what partner I'm with that day like and I'm just like I just haven't seen it in the data yet but I would love to be proven wrong and um but it's 
cool to kind of get people thinking about what pattern that might be. Um, and yeah, like, and so the way I describe an orgasm might feel different for somebody else. And they might be like, oh, that's not what mine feel like. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. But it might just be because they're a volcano and I'm an ocean wave. Totally. And I sent, I loved it. I sent, I texted you a screenshot of my data today. And <laughs> like, it was so, that's the first time I've ever done that. And I'm just like, oh, cool. And like, you get to see the duration of your like orgasm and like snip it down for the whole time that you were just like getting it on and then see like where it was. So I was just like, oh my God, this is so fascinating. Would you say that there's like a consistent duration for orgasm? I think in research there's different. And it's also, I we actually talk about this with the researcher working currently a lot back and forth is like, what do we exactly say is an orgasm? Because some people actually include their aftershocks kind of like, you know, like, uh, like after you have an orgasm, you kind of still have this like little jolting thing. And so some people would say like, that's the full extent of an orgasm. So if we include that, it's much longer. If some people don't include it, then it's much shorter. So we actually talked about like, what is an exact definition of like, what the orgasm is? Where does it start? And where does it end? Um, so what people we say is like perceived orgasms versus like what we measure as the orgasm is always could be different. Um, anecdotally, I would say like, it's, anywhere from like 10 to 30 seconds typically but I've personally had some that are like in the minutes like two minutes long um it just really depends on like what the factors are how aroused you are what you're feeling like that day and all of that but I would say like generally I would say I've seen people like that have sent me their data and stuff it tends to be like 10 to 30 seconds ish range Yes. I loved also too, you made this amazing video where you were like, I bought this shower head that's trending. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so you, oh took my your, gosh. you took the lioness while using this shower head. Can you explain the difference? Yes. Or like, can you just share a little tidbit about this? <laughs> that video cracked me up. So there was this shower head that went viral on TikTok. And, you know, people were like, oh, everyone knows this is made for the girlies. Like, you know, like they knew exactly what they're doing. And I just like, you know, it was like pandemic time. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go buy this place, this shower head. I'm like curious. And it was definitely like, you know, the first time I ever experienced, like learned how to master was probably like in the shower, like using a shower head or like the, the faucet um, thing. And so I was like, oh, like it's kind of a throwback. Like, and the line is you can turn the motor part off so you don't have to have it vibrating so you can almost use it as like a measurement tool if you want to and so I had the lioness and then I used the shower head and I like put the data out there and I like made a TikTok of like because it was like kind of a it's an experience and it's almost the feeling of like I know exactly what I like in terms of like vibration strength and all that but the shower head is like kind of a wild card it's like moving and the pressure feels a little different than what I'm used to and so the session was much longer but it was a lot of like the buildup, I think it caused, it made it for a better buildup. And so it was a pretty good orgasm. So I put it on TikTok and that video just, I don't know why or what it went so viral. I think it had like 19 million views and I sold out that shower head, like all across America at some point. And I was like, the shower head should reach out to me. Like they should be so yes. like, how dare they? So they should be so <laughs> grateful. Did you get like any sort of like affiliate for that? No, no, you just sold them out. It was just a pure like accidental thing. And I thought it was so funny because I'm like, I wonder if the shower head company is like, what is happening? Like, where is this coming from? What happened? I'm waiting for my gift bag, you know, like a little gift box or something. I know, seriously, you're like, <laughs> it's so good. But I saw that shower head on my shower. So I guess it speaks volumes, honestly. 
That is so funny, Anna. I'm that is like really hysterical. I wanted to ask you too. We're talking right now about vulvas. What is that look like for male-bodied individuals? Is can you track that in the in the same similar capacity? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So I would say obviously for the rabbit style, it is traditionally used for vaginal insertion with a clitoral nub for stimulation. But I think some of the one of the coolest things we've seen is that. Every we say like anyone with pelvic floor muscles can use it. So everyone that has pelvic floor contractions. So we have people with penises that are users of the lioness, and some have been so kind. Like they unprompted are like, "Hey, can I show you what my data looks like?" Because I'm like curious about it. But also like I don't know if you want more like data that are for people with penises. Um, and one of my friends actually was like, "Oh yeah, I'll send you my data." And um, so the pelvic floor functions it's the exact same way. There's contractions that still happen. Um, they look fairly. I've seen so far, they're all pretty much ocean wave patterns, where it's like that rhythmic contraction that happens. Um, but yeah, so we anyone can use it. I always just kind of recommend if you're gonna insert it anally, uh, the little nub it kind of becomes like a perineum or like the taint is like the the term of like you can put it on there for stimulation or just turn the vibration off uh, completely. But yeah, so I've always like shown people like whether you use it anally or vaginally, and whether you have penises or vulvas, like it totally works. Um, but we understand like the form factor was you know definitely with vulvas in mind. But hopefully in the future we have other cool products that um, cater to all bodies. I kind of want to like learn a bit more about these three different types of orgasms. So what is the the least common? You said the most common is the ocean wave, which is what I Yes, is you're an ocean wave. You're, me, you and I have the same kind of patterns. Um, it's the most common one for sure. I would say the most uncommon I've seen is is the volcano pattern. I'm, I'm always like envious because I would love to experience it because it just seems so like ex- it's very explosive in nature right and doesn't really have this like rhythmic thing that's like a longer term flow but it's just like an instant um so I would say that's the one that we've seen the least of but I always think it's interesting because I think in media that's kind of typically how they would portray it like an actress would portray a movie scene or a sex scene and so I definitely when we were like when I was in college like growing up like my girls and I were like talking about orgasms one time and I remember someone explaining it to me in that way and I was like oh my god maybe I'm not really having one like maybe I'm just getting close to one but I'm not really getting to that whole ex- quote-unquote explosive energy and then I'll and then now it's funny because I'm pretty sure if I think about it we're just two different patterns so I would say that one's the least common um it's also like actually a pretty hotly debated topic in the world of research as well of what exactly is an orgasm like some researchers will only say like that ocean wave pattern the rhythmic thing is an actual orgasm everything else is something different and so it really it's like a it's like a hot topic I think for people but I would have to believe in this world of so many people and you know even for us like that research study was 54 people women that had done the study like from beginning to end and then for us like we have about 150,000 data sets which is a lot but it's also not representative maybe of the entire world so it's really hard to say like how you know maybe there's more ways that people experience pleasure and all of that so um so far we've seen three I'm like super 
uh, anxious to find more uh, I'm like always telling people like oh if you, ever, if you ever have one that you're like I don't know this looks different like I want to see it I'm super excited about it my other question for you is okay so people who experience multiple orgasms like looking at the data of that and guys to give you a visual of what the app is it's like almost like a you literally see the spikes and yeah like a little graph yeah it's like a graph you see the spikes and falls um so I'm wondering when you've seen data of multiple orgasms do you feel like the first orgasm is usually the most intense one and then it it tapers off or are you seeing things all across the board like sometimes it's a build-up or I'm I'm very curious about multi-orgasms because it's something that I think like I don't know. There, there's a bit of a taboo around it, too, because I think a lot of people have the expectation that they're multi-orgasmic or they should be. Um, and it's not always the case. Yeah, it's it's uh, I like it's one of those things because I think the the questions I get the most is like, is this normal? Like, what is the normal or like, what is the thing that most people have? And like the because uh, I'm like this, too. I'm like, oh, like, is this normal? Like, what do most people do? But the un the unfortunate and like, I think the answer is like, everyone's so different. So for mine, I would say like, it my first one's always the strongest, and then it just gets weaker over time. And there's actually a point where if I've had too many like multiple orgasms, like it almost is like, such like, it's like a little blip by the end of it. And so it's like, almost not worth it. But in the all the opposite case, like I have a friend who showed me her theirs, it's the complete opposite. It gets better and better and better. And she really is into it because it's so it gets better over like the more that she's able to do it. So it's been really cool now to have people who are like orgasmic in different ways. Like we have someone that right now is like trying it out as like who can um, do like meditative orgasms. So like not even having to touch her body or anything and like just through the power of her thinking or meditating. So I was and so she was like, Oh, yeah, like I'll totally get data for you because I'm actually curious to see that data too. So I'm really excited to see that and see like, what that looks like. And you know, there's like people even who might be like, oh, I can have orgasms just through like vaginal penetration or anal penetration or just from nipple play. And so I think really like looking at those different things of like, does it look different? Um, yeah. What is what it all, what it all, what does it all mean? And things like that. What would you say is your advice for people who maybe struggle to orgasm? Do you have any tips around that? Yes. Yeah, so I always say like, I know for especially like our company, we talk so much about orgasms. And I would say like a good, good, good group of people. I think a lot of us experience like not being able to orgasm or a time in our life or maybe never had one or not sure if they have had one. And as much as I'm like, I feel like sometimes like I'm maybe my worst salesperson for my company. Like I wish I could be like, buy a Linus, it'll solve all your problems. But um, really, like I would say that the, the thing that I would give as everyone as advice is like, you have to first not see it as a problem. It's all kind of just like your part of your body, your experience, the different things you might be going through. But like even just going further away from the sexual na nature of it or like the pleasure or the arousal part, but just doing things that feel good for you, like starting from what feels good for you to feel like you're having a good day? Is it taking a bath? Like what relaxes you? What makes you kind of center yourself as a person? And so like, I'm always like, when people are like, oh yeah, maybe like me watching some erotica will turn me on. And I'm like, no, like even go further back, like having a really good sleep or like washing all your bed sheets that day and like sleeping in fresh, clean sheets. Like what makes you feel good? I think is the first place. 
Um, and I really do believe I remember when someone told me this, like when I was like in college, and I was like, that's horrifying. That sounds like something that's so woo woo for me. They're like, you literally should get a mirror and like, look at what your vulva and your clitoris and your vagina, like all the stuff, like, what does it look like? And what does it look like when it's aroused? And I was like, that sounds horrifying. I don't know if I want to do this. But I really do believe in that it just helps you see your body as a body like it's anatomical at the end of the day and for me like knowing the anatomy and the the sciencey part of it really helped me feel comfortable with it because it took that stigma and shame away of being like oh this is just how my body looks like this is how it acts like this is what it looks like when it's aroused and so it really did help me kind of really feel comfortable with my own body and like take that stigma and shame away from it so I always say like figure out ways that that make you feel really really good uh, remove yourself from feeling like you're doing something wrong or like that it's a shame that you're not able to do it or you're a failure. And then also just take time to like learn about your body. There's so much media centric conversations that centers the orgasm. And sometimes there's so much pressure on it too. I've even had to train myself in different seasons of life to just be like accepting and okay with the fact that like maybe I'm just less aroused or like maybe my libido's shifted and my level of desire is just a little bit different. I love that advice of just having grace for yourself. And I think too, backing it behind just curiosity, like that concept of the mirror and just understanding your anatomy to me is so deeply rooted in curiosity. Yeah. I mean, like I, my favorite thing to tell people is like, there is like a billion and three ways people experience pleasure. Like, how do I know that I've explored all avenues of things that I'm like, this makes me feel turned on. This is the stuff that I like. And like, to this day, I learn about new kinks and fetishes that I've never heard of, or like are new to me. And I'm like, dang, like, I didn't know that, like, that's so interesting. Or maybe I'd be interested in that. And so I really like, I love the idea of like exploration, curiosity, exploration, like is so key, I think, to us, because I think otherwise, we're looking at maybe the mainstream ways of like, this is what pleasure should look like, this is what sex should look like, this is what a relationship should look like. But maybe there's like, a beyond that we just haven't explored yet. I love it. Kind of speaking of the shoulds, I think a lot of people get tripped up. I saw like this stat that came out at the end of this year. I think like Hims and Hers did a big study around like the 2022 sex report. And they one of their findings was everybody thinks everyone else is having more sex than them. So I kind of wanted, <laughs> which kind of is like another should. Everybody's like, oh, I should be having more sex. I should be having more orgasms. What have been some of your research findings around even just like how much people are having sex or like how much people are really getting off. Like I, I kind of want to debunk Okay, that's a great question. I will talk about it in the context of the pandemic is a little bit like, I guess like we're in 2023 now, but that was actually a question that during the pandemic, there was a really big news cycle going around. Like everybody's having so much sex. Everyone's having babies. Everyone's getting pregnant. Everyone's buying vibrators. Everyone's just like horny. And I, and I remember the first year of the pandemic, I was like, uh-oh, I think I'm broke. Like something's broken because I'm definitely not feeling like this. And I was like, I almost felt like an imposter of my own product because I'm like, I don't feel like masturbating or like I don't feel like having sex or any of this stuff. And then we started being like, is this even backed by like any information or like research that people are having more sex? And so 
Uh, we actually partnered for a research study um, with the Center for Genital Health. And we were like, hey, like the people that are opted in to do the study as part of our like users. So we don't take data unless the users are like, yes, I want to be a part of this research. And so we pulled a bunch of data that um, people opted in of seeing their 2019 data versus during the pandemic. So 2020. Um, and it was like, this is like peak pandemic time. And we wanted to see like, are people having more sex? There's like, there more satisfaction? Are people still masturbating? And we actually saw there's like a sign statistical significant drop during the holidays that was like 37% drop in usage. And so we sent out the a post survey of like, what like you know what has changed and people are like I'm going through mental like mental health things I'm depressed like I have so much anxiety I don't know where the world's going I'm stuck with my kids in the home like I don't have a space to do it or like my relationship is gone like south like all these different things and it was really to me it was really great to be able to put that study out to just feel like whatever you're experiencing like this is an unknown territory for all of us so like when we just look at media or like just look at journal like art articles or social media being like oh everyone look at this rise of like sex toys really doing super well or like everyone having babies it i think it puts us in this feeling of like am i normal is something wrong and i think like when we started the company it really started with this question of like people asking including myself of like am i normal what is the normal what is the average what are, what are other people doing and do i masturbate too much am i masturbating not enough like and i think the the answer that we want to give people is like whatever you're doing is normal as long as it's safe it doesn't harm other people it doesn't harm yourself and whatever makes you like you is like just how your body works and so yeah the pandemic one was a really really fun one for us to work on because it really made me feel sane, sane of like I I feel like this is chaotic like I don't feel like mastering is not the first thing on my mind right now so um <laughs> like I was trying to get toilet paper like all this stuff you know so it was nice to really see that um as coming out as like from a data value for our, at least our company and like the usage and people willing to participate in that study yeah and thank you for like just pointing that out too because I think sometimes like we forget that a lot of headlines are there to literally just shock and we don't always know where this data is being pulled from so I just like love that your mission is around normalizing whatever works for you works for you don't compare yourself to xyz because it's like media has always had a really interesting lens around sex and sexuality and how and relationships and longevity and all this sort of stuff and so I'm like in a way, I'm like, guys, be weary. Like, it's never really been that right. Like, go back to the research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, who who is the one saying it? Like, you know, like, it, it, it definitely plays on our fear of like, am I doing a good job? Like, is because it's so taboo, like, you don't know, like, no one was going to tell you. So it's like, oh, is am I being active enough in bed, like all this stuff. And I think it's all plays on our fears because of the taboo and because we don't talk about it enough. I also wanted to bring up, Anna sent me this amazing package. It came with the lioness. It came with these amazing cards. And then it also came with a plush dog toy dupe 
of the lioness toy so you need to tell me yes. the story of the dog toy i also saw carrie barber posted on her story she's like anna also sent me the lioness and she her dog like immediately took the toy so please please tell us about oh, good. how fun you guys are yes yeah, so we you know i think the fun the the chaotic part of building a sex tech company like anything in related sex is how many red tapes there are right like there's constant bans on you can't do this ad because it's a sex toy, like it's pornographic, like all this stuff. And so um, two of the funniest things that we always talk about is like so many people write in are like, my dog ate the vibrator. And then we're like, what? And then they like <laughs> send us a photo of like bite marks and like, like my dog stole my vibrator. And then so it's just like a funny thing that we're like, oh, another dog like came after their to- toy. And then the other thing of us really kind of wanting to give the middle finger to the censorship around all of this stuff. We're like, what if we just made something totally not sex related? Um, maybe we can advertise it. And so we combine those two things. And then we decide to just make these like little dog toys that are shaped like the lion's vibrator. Um, so we had like so much fun with it. It was so silly when we pitched it to um, the vendor that we worked with to build those plushes. <laughs> they were like, what is the shape of this? And we're like, oh, it's like a vibrator. Like, and Don't worry. We, yeah. We're like, oh, it's just going to have like, this little squeaker. Like, I was like, it's like a normal, like any other toy that you make, but it's, you know, the shape of a vibrator. Um, but it was just such a fun project uh, to work on. And it was just us being cheeky about being like, you know, the censorship is so ridiculous. And then also to people who keep being like, my dog ate it. We're like, maybe you should buy this product next to your dog. So, you know, they don't go after your product. And so, um yeah it was like just a fun way for us to like be silly about how silly this space can be (laughs) when I showed my partner the um dog toy he was like oh my gosh in college like our fraternity had a dog that like had like would steal like toys all the time and he was like so I relate to this he was like this is hysterical that's so funny I love it yeah it's like the best is when people send us like photos of their dogs with the toy like that just it just makes my day it's the best that's amazing you guys gotta if you don't already you like create a series or something it would be so funny to like (laughs) yeah I know the dogs of lioness The dogs of Lioness. It's like the boyfriends of Glossier, the dogs of Lioness. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. My last question for you, Anna. What is currently hanging out on your bedside table? Ooh, I have a lot of things. Okay, I, uh, it's really, you know, the notorious joke of like how many chargers that people have next to their vibrator, like their nightstand. Uh, I'm definitely one of them. I have like one of those USBs that have like six different USB outlets and then have different vibrators on all of them, like all the chargers. Uh, I have some lubricant always. And then I'm reading, I'm trying to be better about reading books. I'm notoriously terrible about it. So I'm like trying to read books again. So I have a book too. And I used to have a Dolly Parton candle, but I put it in the office, but um, I have a nice little Dolly Parton candle to remind me to be a badass. <laughs> Too bad Dolly doesn't really tour anymore, but she's really one of those shows I'm dying to see. I would kill to see me Dolly too. Parton. We're going to get her a vibrator, okay? Yeah. We're going to get a vibrator in our hands. <laughs> um, that's amazing. What a cool bedside table situation. I feel like you've got like a cool setup. I just like have an inkling that like you've got it on lock. I'm like, okay, she knows what she's doing with her bedside table. <laughs> Yes. And then you know my drawers, like all the vibrators that are out there. Like my friends love to be like, can I look at all of them? Like, of course, go look at all of it. 
please tell us where we can connect with you. And of course, you mentioned that there's a really fun update coming for people who have the lioness or who are going to be getting it. So share share some of those fun upcoming details. Yes. So you can find us on all our social for our company called Linus Health um, on all socials. My personal one, my Instagram is Anna is average and my TikTok is Anna the average. I know this is a social sin that I have two different usernames, but I can't get one of the other. So Anna is average on Instagram, Anna the average on TikTok. Um, I post as much like uh, information, like research, sex research that has happened, my own data, things I've tried, all of that. Um, and then we have a really cool update. This is like the best nerdy version of us is that because our vibrator is smart, we're as a gift, just as a thank you for being with us, you know, and like supporting, we're pushing out a software update to every single Linus user. So now it's going to have long distance remote control feature. So now you can use it with somebody across the world. They can control or you can control the motor um, of the vibrator and you can actually see the data come in in real time. So you can see how they're responding to it. Um, and we're giving the person that is the control that has the vibrator all the power to be able to kick out that user from the room, not be able to control the motor. You can take control. So giving both people the option. So no one has like balance or, you know, without you guys communicating it. Um, so it's really exciting. I'm super, super grateful for our software team who are all women, which is amazing, who have really worked tirelessly because people have asked us for long distance remote control for a lot of years. So now they like built it out and then pushing it out to all our users for free. That is so much fun. I I love it. Like I'm I'm so impressed with your team and what you guys have built. Out of curiosity, could we potentially offer listeners a discount code or something like some yes. little treat to to maybe get started? Yes. Or, okay, cool. Let's use the code bedside10. Amazing. I'm already so excited to continue tracking my O's. And like, I was just thinking, I was like, I want to make a video about this. I like, I need to share Please, it with more people. Yeah. So <laughs> I, know. I, will... I want people to share more data. I always tell people like, because it's hard to like hold a vibrator and then you get banned on all sorts of, you know, platforms. Yes. Like, but data never gets banned. So I always tell people like, it's a way to do it. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy that you came on the show. Thank you again. Oh, thanks for having me. This is so fun. Thank you for listening to The Bedside Podcast. If you liked this episode and want to follow along with similar stories and interviews, be sure to check out our Instagram at The Bedside and thebedside.co online. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and of course, share with your friends. It's the best way you can support us and our good sex mission. Thank you for listening.